Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Steph Lincoln, former Army captain and founder of Fire Team Whiskey. Today, I'm sitting down with retired JSO, so that's Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, Assistant Chief Lakeisha Burton. Lakeisha is running to be Duval County's next sheriff, so that's exciting. She has served the people of Jacksonville for more than two decades. Lakeisha has worked in nearly every avenue of law enforcement during her 24-year career with the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, 18 of which were in a supervisory role. She also holds a master's degree in criminology. Lakeisha is a woman of courage, conviction, and character. Her courage comes from her deep faith and is reflected in her determination to consistently do the right thing. Her character has been built over a lifetime of overcoming great challenges. In 2021, when the city saw an overall 4% reduction in crime, Lakeisha served as, a, as the zone commander over the Arlington Beaches area and led her officers to a record-breaking 16% reduction in overall crime. She's a proven leader who has delivered results. If she wins her campaign, she will be the first ever female sheriff and African-American female sheriff of Duval County. So I hope you enjoy this interview with retired JSO Assistant Chief Lakeisha Burton. Introducing the new Fireteam Whiskey Fitness and Nutrition app. Everything you need to get fit and lose weight right at your fingertips. Choose from hundreds of fitness videos and fitness plans. Search for workouts by fitness level, equipment available, or body part focus. Choose from several nutrition plans and customize your macros. Your entire fitness, nutrition, and wellness plan all scheduled on your calendar. Text a trainer anytime for tips, tricks, and motivation. Achieve your fitness and health goals with the Fireteam Whiskey app. Go to www.fireteamwhiskey.com to get two weeks of results for free. So Lakeisha, thank you so much for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I'm so honored that you could take some time out of your very busy schedule because if you're running for sheriff, I mean, you're pretty busy. So thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited to be a part of this today. Um, so just tell us a little bit about you. I mean, how how you kind of got into law enforcement. I think it's it's always very interesting to me when female, when I speak with females who get into law enforcement, especially African-American females getting into law enforcement, I'm sure that's an interesting story. Yeah. So I knew early on in my life, I think it was about five or six that I um, was interested in being a police officer. So I just had this desire to chase down bad guys and, you know, always knew I wanted to help people. So I already had it in my mind that I wanted to be a police officer, but 
I think it was really confirmed after, uh, you know, some, a series of things happened in my life. So I was, I'm a survivor of childhood sex abuse. And um, from the age of 11 to 14, I had been sexually abused. And when I finally got up enough courage to tell what was happening, my first encounter with a police officer was so negative. I remember, as you can imagine, after four years of holding this in, not seeing anything, when we finally called the police, the person who's supposed to uh, you know, protect us. And to get that response, it was a female officer too. And she told me that I was lying. So in that split moment, I just had, I was hopeless. And then I remember there's another officer there who showed me tremendous compassion. And he saw how she was um, engaging with me and told her to leave. And I just remember him kneeling down in saying that I believe you and that I'm going to make sure that this man to never touch you again. So that impression left a long lasting impression. And I thought, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a police officer like this officer, one who is able to show empathy and compassion and help victims maintain their dignity after um, horrific uh, crimes happen. So that's when I really thought, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's so awesome. And um, so how how did you end up? I, I know there's a little bit of a story about you being in the Police Athletic League program and being involved with that and then as a kid and then kind of transitioning to becoming an officer at some point. Yeah, so um, after that, after that, those first encounters with those two officers and that individual being arrested and all that good stuff, um, the individual was released after about a month and was allowed to go back home. So I left home at 16 years old with my baby. And during that time is when I met another police officer who showed me tremendous compassion. And he caught me stealing out of a Walmart. And uh, instead of taking me to the juvenile detention facility, he took me over to the police athletic league. I mean, this officer, he told me, I said, he told me that he saw more in me than I saw in myself. And he just, you know, took everything in consideration of what I was going through. And he took me and my baby over to Powell. And literally, that was the pipeline for me to get my life on track. And playing basketball at Powell afforded me a couple of years after that an opportunity to receive a full basketball scholarship to the University of Central Florida. So I was able to go to college with my baby. And that's when I majored in criminal justice and uh, was able to get a start my career in law enforcement in 1999. So but in 2015, my life came full circle when I was appointed as the first female executive director over PAL, the very entity that saved my life when I was 16 years old. So, so very proud that that organization was there for me and to be able to now lead the organization that helped me um, was a dream come true. Yeah, and I, I can only imagine, I mean, especially, you know, back then, uh, you know, that wasn't too long ago, but, you know, in, in the 90s, um, going through um, police academy and and you probably were the only African-American female there, right? And it was very few. I think it was two or three of us, but very, very few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So can you talk about how, you know, you're, you're really passionate about empowering girls and women and you even established uh, a nonprofit in the name of your twin sister, um, and tell us about, you know, your, your efforts and your, your passion about empowering girls and women. I, I've been so very blessed to overcome so many 
challenges in my life. So I felt like I should always try to give back and, and teach young girls some of the things not to do, you know? So um, obviously I had very low self-esteem at one point in my life to the point to where I felt like I was at a crossroad back in 1992 and I was literally contemplating suicide. So um, so I've always wanted to be an example to other girls and women that no matter what happened to us, it doesn't have to define who we are and it certainly doesn't have to you know, dictate our future. So I just always wanted to be that beacon of light for, for others. So as far as my twin sister, um, she lived her life with cerebral palsy. So she couldn't talk or walk. She talked, she talked in her own way. And um, the doctors didn't think she would live out of her teen years, but she was one of the most fierce, most strongest women that I have ever known. And she survived till we were 42. And I remember um, when we were about probably five or six, I couldn't understand um, why she couldn't talk or walk. I knew she was different from me, but I knew that she was a part of me. And I remember I whispered in her ears and I said, listen, everything that you can't do, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do it for you. So I've literally lived my life times two um, for her. So when she passed away, I, it was just very difficult, you know, to live without her. So I had to learn every day how to live without her. It was, it was devastating. So my husband had this idea that everything that I was passionate about, that I had been doing my entire career in life in terms of community stuff, giving back, he said, why don't you put it underneath the umbrella and call it Tisha's hand? And so that's exactly what we did. And I really try to focus on just helping those who are most vulnerable in our communities. And we've been able to do some work here locally, nationally, and internationally. Over the last uh, about six years, I've been to five countries doing some work, some good work in honor of her. Wow, that's so special. Yeah, that was a really, I went to your website, your nonprofit website, and read up about your your sister. And it was just so touching. And it really it's wonderful what you're doing with that, that nonprofit. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking. So you are the fourth African-American female assistant chief in JSO's history, which is a huge accomplishment in itself. And if you win this election, you are running for sheriff in Jacksonville and Duval County. You will be the first female and the first black female sheriff of Duval County. So, um, and there's only been only one other person of color, um, Sheriff Nat Glover. I remember when he was elected, um, being the only other person of color. So can you talk about how you're kind of paving the way forward for women and women of color in law enforcement and why we need more of this perspective in law enforcement? Yeah, so first I'll just start off by saying that Nat Glover paved the way for me. As a matter of fact, if it were not for him, I wouldn't have been able to um, be in this profession. When I graduated from the University of Central Florida with my bachelor's degree, I applied with the Orlando Police Department and they wouldn't hire me because I had an arrest on my record. And my pastor at this time knew Nat Glover and called him and I literally called him on the phone and told him my story and handed me the phone. And here I was a new graduate talking to the sheriff of Duval County. I was terrified. And, you know, I never forgot our uh, conversation. And I don't remember all the words, but I always remember the words, come home, I'm going to give you an opportunity. 
So I was here within 48 hours and that was over 24 years ago. So I had such a deep, um, a deep appreciation and gratitude that this sheriff would take a chance, a risk on me. So it was um, always been important for me to, to pay it forward. So obviously starting his career in his male dominant profession, it was tough, but I was already mentally, physically, emotionally tough before I put on this uniform because of all the things I had been subjected to in my life. So but early on, I definitely, I knew that in order to affect change that, you know, as a woman, as a black woman, that I had to have a seat at the table. And what that meant was being promoted. So I was blessed to, I worked really hard uh, to get promoted to sergeant and lieutenant. As a matter of fact, I remember when I first started, there was an older white male officer. He looked at me and he said, I don't even know why they allow you to put on a uniform. So I um, suspect it was because I was a female and or black or both. But I said, you know, one day I'm going to be your supervisor. And sure enough, I got promoted to sergeant the last six months of his career, I got promoted and I became his supervisor. So I never forget that at his retirement party, he told everybody I was the best supervisor he ever had. So um, that was early on in my career where I figured out how to change lemons into lemonade, you know? So, and that's essentially what I've been doing. Um, you know, every rank, obviously, the higher you go, the more impact and influence that you have on other people. So I've been trying to, I've just always tried to do good and be a part of the solution. Yeah, that's such a positive story. And yeah, I could certainly relate to that being a, a female in the in the army and a female officer yes. in the army. <laughs> so yes. definitely my, my share of stories kind of like that. Um, that's wonderful. So um, on the politics side of things, you were running as, and I don't, I still have no idea why they have sheriffs choose a party to run under. I think that's pretty ridiculous because you're serving all the people, right? right. Um, but you are running as a Democrat in a very red area. Um, you know, it's no secret that, that Jacksonville um, and, and Florida in general is red. Can you talk about how you're bridging the huge divide that we're experiencing right now in this country by running um, for, for sheriff as a Democrat? Are you fire team ready? Try the fire team whiskey Spec Ops Keto Joe Shake. The Keto Joe Shake is a medium chain triglyceride MCT shake derived from non-GMO coconut oil. It contains 17 grams of MCT, 10 grams of high quality whey protein, and no sugar. It's sweetened with stevia leaf, so you can keep those carbs low and shred that body fat. 25 milligrams of caffeine to give you extra energy for the gym or your busy day. Fireteam Whiskey has been supplying military members deployed all over the world with Spec Ops shakes for over three years. Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are fueling the fight. Whether you are just trying to lose a few pounds or trying to get that extra edge in the gym, the Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops shakes are for you. Make sure to stock up now and support our efforts to raise funds for Team RWB, our nonprofit partner that provides social support and fitness events for our nation's heroes. Yeah, so, um, you know, when I first started thinking about running for sheriff, um, there were a lot of naysayers, you know, they say, you know, is Jacksonville ready for another black sheriff? Is Jacksonville ready for a black woman? 
Is she too young? Is it her time? Is she a Democrat? And I've just resolved in my heart that it is time for Jacksonville to have an effective leader uh, run this agency. Because when I look at my reputation, my record, and the results that I've been able to produce my entire career, um, I'm qualified. And most importantly, I'm passionate about this job. So um, that's why I got in this race. And I've been saying from the start that it's not about um, prestige. It's not about political party and it's not about power. It is about the people. So that has been my, um, that's what I've, that's been my message everywhere I've gone. And I can tell you out of all the uh, candidates that's running, I have the most support across all demographics and all party lines. And I just think that uh, most of us, we're tired of the divide and most mm-hmm. of us want to come together so we can have a, a better and safer uh place to live here in Jacksonville. So I think we need to start, I I tell people all the time that maybe I'll start my own political party purple. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Time to come together. And obviously I think that through my candidacy is so much bigger than me and everywhere I go, people are full of hope. You know, people are inspired and um, we all know that it's time for change. So if I can be the catalyst for change, I'm excited to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, and I love that. And I, I mean, I've seen so many social media posts, people, you know, endorsing you who who say like right off the bat, they're like, I'm a Republican, but I am, you know, voting for Lakeisha because of, you know, what she stands for and and, you know, what her goals are for Jacksonville. So what, you know, if you are elected, which you definitely will be, so let's just put that out there in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are your goals? I mean, what are what are kind of your, your priorities as far as, you know, the law enforcement efforts in Jacksonville? Yes. So first of all, you know, public safety is the number one concern to citizens all over Jacksonville. And it should be because the violence in our city has uh, it's been on the rise for many, many years. And Um, What I'm going to do is what I was able to do last year as a zone commander of the Arlington Beaches area after, uh, you know, years and years of violent crime on the rise. We Jacksonville finally saw a breakthrough, roughly 4% reduction in crime citywide, but under my leadership in our zone two area, we were able to deliver a record-breaking 16% reduction in crime, and it was very significant, and what that meant was is people's lives were saved, and we protected businesses, but we were intentional about uh, really cultivating a culture of community policing. We have to get back to building relationships with the members of our community. And, and that's the bottom line. So I intend to do that. And our agency is very, he's so cute. Our agency is very young. 70% of our agency is new. Our officers have seven years or less. So if there were ever a time for us to change a culture of policing and, and make sure we have well-rounded officers, it's now. And I, uh, I of course, I've seen a paradigm shift with the young officers that um, I was able to lead. And I know that we can do that citywide. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a such a huge accomplishment because, I mean, for those of you who don't, live in Jacksonville. I mean, I've lived, I was born and raised there. I know the city is, you know, better than the back of my hand. And Arlington was, you know, it had a horrible reputation and there, there was such issues with, you know, crime in that area and a 16% 
improvement. Wow. Like that's, that's just huge. So that's wonderful. And I mean, absolutely. That's exactly what needs to happen. We need to go back to the old, you know, kind of community-based, you know, you know, your local officers, um, you know, by name, they know you by name. And it's that, that community effort, you know, because obviously police can't be everywhere at every time at all hours of the day, right? We can't rely on them for, you know, to, to do everything everywhere at all times. So it has to be a community effort. And that's the only way communities are going to get safer. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, a lot of times people are waiting to hear or they're waiting for this huge revelation of what new, what can the sheriff do that's new? And it's not necessarily doing anything new, it's doing what we used to do that worked. And again, like you said, police can't do it alone, but we are so much stronger together. And when we are proactively re-engaging our communities, particularly those communities who have had historically distrust for police, mm-hmm. I think that we have to be the ones to lead that effort in going out there to reestablish and restore trust in our communities. Yeah, so um, there are a lot of people on the campaign trail talking about community policing. I'm the only one that has a proven record of showing how policing, community policing actually works. So, um, and I'll tell you, when I started back in 1999 under Nat Glover, community policing was a fabric of every police officer. And over the years, I think that as we, as community policing was minimized and, and pushed into a unit or a program, the gap between the community and um, law enforcement widened. So when you look at particularly the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, we have a very good agency. We have good technology, training, and people. One have to wonder what is happening? What are we doing wrong? What are we not doing right if we continue to have an increase in violent crime? And I can tell you that critical piece is the community. We need the community. We need to problem solve the issues in our community together to address our crime problem, um, you know, holistically. Yeah, and I mean, you're a you're a a direct um, product of that effort, right? I mean, yes. you yes. could have you could have entered the system at a very young age, but because of one police officer who, you know, took an interest in you and didn't just mm-hmm. look at you like, okay, you know, she did the crime, you know, she's going to get the punishment. It was more, how can we kind of inspire her to do better because we know she can do better. It's just, we have to give her some options to do that. Right. That's right. Yeah. When people feel like they don't have options, then they only have one track to follow, but if they're given options, at least they have a choice to, to, you know, do something different, which is exactly what you did. And you ended up being where you're at today. I did. But the challenge now is that our workforce is so young. They're coming into this profession with little or minimum life experience. When I came in, I had a lot of life experience. And back then, a lot of those officers did. So um, that's why it is incumbent upon myself as a sheriff to make sure that we have um, the officers are trained 
but also that we are um, giving them, setting up, giving them opportunities to grow because we have to develop them. And that's what I was able to do in the zone, uh, in the Arlington area. I created opportunities for them to grow and learn because, you know, when you're going through the police academy, you're taught everything to do um, when you go to respond to a call, but there's no, there's no, area for humanity you know so i just think that you know teaching them that showing them that ensuring they have coaching and mentorship and most importantly having a leader who's modeling what that looks like what does it look like to be community engaged minded you know so and i think you know that's what you have to do with this young generation of officers and not just assume that they all automatically know yeah Exactly. It does take, you're right. I mean, it does take a set of skills and life experiences to, to police like that. And that's mm-hmm. not typically, you know, especially like young, you know, 20, 21 year old, 22 year old guys, you know, coming on the force and, and gals, they may not have that kind of even mentorship or, or example in their life. Right. So they need that kind of training. Absolutely. Yeah. So Lakeisha, I am so honored that you were on our show. Do you have any final words or thoughts other than get out there and vote if you're in Duval County? (laughs) I'm telling you, I tell you, thank you so much for giving me this platform to share. I do for the people that would listen or watch. um, I just encourage them to get out to vote. Early voting starts August 8th. And um, we just have a tremendous opportunity here in, in Jacksonville. Um, for those who may be thinking that, you know, maybe a woman can't do this job, um, I would say do your homework. I've been doing this job for 24 years. I have put the worst of the worst in jail. I've achieved every rank available. I was the CEO of a multi-million dollar organization called the Police Athletic League, and I rose all the way up into the rank of assistant chief, and I was only fourth African-American police assistant chief in the history of our agency of 200 years. But not only that, I have a proven record of being able to reduce violent crime. Last year, after decades of violent crime on the rise, under my leadership, my officers and I delivered a 16% reduction in crime. Just think about what our city would look like. Think about the quality of life. Think about the future of our kids and our family, what that would look like if we were able to do that all around this city. I want you to know that it can be done and I'll get that done as your next sheriff. So I'm just asking asking for your vote, Lakeisha Burton, for your next sheriff, August 23rd. Thank you. Thanks, Lakeisha. So all the um, the links to Lakeisha Burton's um, sheriff uh, uh, donation page. So if you want to donate to her campaign, please do that for sure, along with your vote, because that helps. And also um, the link to her nonprofit, which is wonderful. And um, we made a donation to both. So um, we want to support you in every way we can, Lakeisha. Good luck, and we Thank know you're you. gonna. You, we know you're gonna get elected. We're gonna put that out yes. there in the universe. I'm gonna do a good job. <laughs> We're gonna do a good and, job. Uh, thank you for making Jacksonville safer. Thank you so much. God bless you. Hey guys, thanks so much again for joining us on another episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, all that good stuff on your favorite podcast platform or and on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and leave us a review while you're there. And if you screenshot your review, email it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com 
with your name and address, you'll be entered into our drawing for a prize for just leaving us a review. So let us know what we're doing great, what you'd like to hear more about, and please go ahead and just give us a follow and give us a honest review, especially on iTunes, because that helps us reach other military members, veterans, and first responders with this vitally important information about how to improve their health, fitness, and wellness. We will see you at the next episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your podcast host, former Army Captain Stephanie Lincoln, founder of Fire Team Whiskey. Fire Team Whiskey is proud to sell Zaya Athletic Wear. We love the awesome styles, amazing quick dry technology, and best of all, the price. Zaya Active is the official workout wear of Fire Team Whiskey. Go to bit.ly forward slash Zaya FTW and check out all the styles for women, men, and kids. When you look good, you feel good. Guys, it's about time you threw away those stained t-shirts and those baggy, saggy shorts and upgrade your gym swagger. Zaya Active is the official workout wear of Fireteam Whiskey. Go to bit.ly forward slash Zaya FTW and check out all the styles for women, men, and kids.